Welcome to Writing Roll with Allie. I'm Allie, and this is episode number 11, Handling the Menstrual Cycle. You can find this episode's notes and helpful links to learn more on my website, AllieHart.com. That's A-L-L-E-Y-H-A-R-T.com. A brief disclaimer. We are going to be talking about period. While I will not be going into gory details, we can't get away from this topic without talking about blood. It is just part of life for this one and unavoidable. If you don't wish to hear about this, you might want to skip to my next episode or to one of my previous episodes. Now, on to the show. Today, we are going to talk about handling the menstrual cycle, also known as that time of the month, a period, ant flow, on the rag, lady business, the red badge of courage. I don't get that one. The Red Baron, Red Flow, The Crimson Tide, that time of the month where every woman wonders how many years are left until I had menopause. I assume that the vast majority of people know what the menstrual cycle is, but I will give a brief overview for the few that do not. Once a month, women ovulate. If they do not become pregnant, then two weeks later, she will start to bleed from down below for two to seven days, roughly. Most women average out at about five days. We also have painful cramps in the pelvic region, bloating, moodiness, known as PMS. This cycle repeats every month, averaging about 28 days. Most girls start at 12 and will continue until they go through menopause. Menopause means they are too old to conceive a child, at least naturally conceive. The average age for menopause is 51, but this can vary greatly. Early onset menopause happens between 40 and 45, and late stage onset menopause occurs between the late 50s and into the 60s. That means it will happen for a large portion of a woman's life. Let's start with the obvious, handling the blood. The amount of blood that a woman can lose during this time is anywhere between a couple of drops to a couple cups of blood. I'll be honest, I don't know a single woman that found the sign-up sheet for the low amount. But also, the high amount would concern most women enough to go to see a doctor. Why? Because the average is two to four tablespoons. Some ancient societies saw this as a time of cleansing, while some religions saw this as a curse to be endured and suffered through. Make sure to think about this and do any research that you need for the era of religion, culture, tribe, place, or whatever else that you can think of if you want to be historically accurate. Some cultures even practiced free bleeding. That means they did not try to capture or cover up the blood. Definitely not my choice, and frankly, I would think that that would smell and attract bugs. That is just a whole new level of gross. If you're writing a horror, I guess... If you are writing a fantasy, you will need to decide how your culture thinks and feels about periods. Now, on to the how-tos. Let's first cover the blood collection. This can be done in many ways, depending on the time period or place. Things that have been or are currently used are pads, tampons, cloth pads, menstrual cups, sea sponges, moss, fur, and more. Before we get into these, let me make sure that everyone knows that anything placed inside of a female's nether regions come with the risk of toxic shock syndrome, also called TSS. This is a very real and very deadly bacterial infection that enters the bloodstream through tiny abrasions or micro cuts in the skin and infects the organs. It can lead to amputations of fingers, toes, limbs, or even death. It is thankfully rare. 
According to the National Institute of Health in the United States, it is estimated that around 0.8 to 3.4 per 100,000 people are affected by toxic shock syndrome. Personally, that sounds like a high number, but Google has assured me that it is rare. Let's start with periods. These are products that catch the blood from the outside of the body. Modern ones are thrown away after use, while cloth pads are washed and reused. In history, cloth pads have been made from things like wool, cotton, rags, moss, fur, knitted pads, grass, and more. Some of these things sound painful in delicate areas, and I am unsure of the absorbency of grass. But a girl's gotta do what a girl's got to do. Unlike modern pads, historical cloth pads were held on by being tied to a belt. Modern cloth pads have snaps or buttons to keep them wrapped around the underwear. Modern panties were invented toward the end of the 18th century, which is why the belts and suspenders were required to hold them on before then. The use of cloth pads is where the phrase being on the rag comes from. The first modern pads to be used and thrown away were made by nurses in France. They were made of wood pulp because it was cheap. Manufacturers borrowed this technique, and by 1888, pads were sold commercially. At that time, the price was so high that most women could not afford them. It was in the 1920s that they became more affordable and slowly grew in popularity. I suspect the Great Depression had a hindrance on the affordability of them, but that was slightly before my time, and I do not know for sure. In the 1980s, the manufacturers added an adhesive backing to keep them held in place. While cloth pads are made of natural materials, modern manufactured pads are made primarily of bleached rayon, cotton, and plastics. There has been a lot of research about modern pads and their negative effects on women's health, something I only learned after our home burned down and somehow a package of pads mostly survived. Trying to understand why? I stumbled upon an entire community that is anti-chemical and hates all things involving modern pads. Some of them can get very aggressive and downright scary about the topic, which would be an interesting twist to a modern story. There are also modern day period panties. These are basically cloth pads built directly into waterproof panties. The waterproofing material are actually breathable. That means they do not stop the airflow. They are washable and many women use them today. They are often saved for only that time of the month because, well, who wants to wear that when you don't have to? Next thing to cover is tampons. The word tampon comes from medieval France. I do not know what they called them before that. These were placed inside the woman to absorb the blood before it leaves the body. 5th century BC Egyptians used pirate sleeves to make tampons. Romans used wool wrapped around a stick. African women made them from grass, and Japanese made them from paper. All of that sounds painful. Now, if you think that weird items are all a distant past, you, my friend, would be wrong. In America, ocean-harvested sea sponges were sold as tampon alternatives until the 1980s. While the use of sea sponges as tampons date back further than anything else on this entire list, it is actually the last one I learned about. In the 1980s, the University of Ohio did testing and found that these sponges still contained grit, sand, bacteria, and other contaminants. The risk of toxic shock syndrome is the number one concern for these. 
After this came to light, the FDA made selling them in the United States illegal. The first type of modern tampon was patented in 1931. These were made of cloth with a string for easy removal. The first tampon applicators were trademarked in 1936. These were originally made of cardboard, but have since been replaced with plastic. If you're wondering what they used before then, let's say they had to insert and remove them themselves. It was messy, and we'll leave it at that. Tampons are also bleached white, and we end up down the same bunny hole with the angry people hating them. Again, more interesting characters for modern books. Crazy, it must be all natural and nothing else, people. Next is menstrual cups. Menstrual cups also go inside the women to collect blood. The first cup was patented in 1932. It looks nothing like the ones used today. Today's menstrual cups are made of medical grade silicone. These last for five to 10 years before needing a new one. They come in different sizes and lengths because like men, women are not all the same down below. Some people believe this is very messy, but they are wrong. Menstrual cups are inserted to collect blood like any cup, hence the name. When it is full or even before, it is removed and dumped out like any other liquid from a container. There is actually little or no contact with the blood. This will take practice and there is a learning curve. There have been confirmed cases of toxic shock syndrome with them. However, the number is significantly smaller than any other inserted thing for periods. That said, proper cleaning is important to these and it will need to be sterilized between each period. Sterilizing them in this case means boiling them in water for five minutes over a stove or fire, not the microwave. Let's not get crazy. I will leave a link on my website if you want to learn more. Another thing women deal with during this time is pain in the form of cramps and backaches. This can be mild to severe and debilitating. Thankfully, the debilitating ones are not common for most women. There have been many things women have used throughout history. Today, Midol, Tymol, Aleve, and something similar are our go-to methods of dealing with cramps. Painkillers have not always been an option. My grandparents used to make a raspberry or willow bark tea to help relieve the pain. Other herbs used to make teas throughout history include catnip, ginger, lemon balm, motherwort, peppermint mixed with yarrow, and many more. Of course, there is always the option of alcohol to dull the pain. I don't recommend that, especially when dealing with PMS. Later, during the Victorian era, pills and potions became popular. They included everything from herbs to cocaine. During the 18th and 19th centuries, alcohol and herbs infused together became popular. Now we have modern day painkillers. Another way to deal with cramps is with heat. Modern day women take long hot baths or use a heating pad. There are even rechargeable portable heating pads worn like a belt and you can take them to work or wherever you are going if you need to. Keep in mind, a lot of modern day off-the-grid homes have some type of solar, wind, steam, propane, or other way to produce electricity to recharge things. There are also options of warming up a cloth beside a fire, steaming fabric, or using a water bottle. Not the kind that you drink out of today. In fact, this kind looked more like a bag of water. It was first used with animal bladders and later with rubber before plastic and silicone became popular. 
Women would fill these with warm water and place them in the affected areas. If you are riding modern with electricity, there is a standard heating pad or cloth bag filled with rice and warmed in the microwave for a minute or two minutes. Not too long or you will burn your character. A heating method my grandmother told me about was to have a small dog or cat sit on your belly while you sewed or were doing other work that allowed this. Fun fact! To decrease the risk of toxic shock syndrome, you should always change tampons every four to eight hours. Although, read the instructions on the box. Not all tampons are the same, and this is a general rule of thumb. For the same reason, menstrual cups should be emptied every 10 to 12 hours. Some smaller ones, like the Lily Cup Compact, say the max time is eight hours. Again, read the instructions. Now, for everyone's favorite part, what could possibly go wrong? Well, let me tell you. Likely to go wrong, your character shifts and her pad shifts and there is leaking. It happens to every woman. Also likely to go wrong, the period starts in the middle of the night and things get messy. This is especially embarrassing for newlyweds. Likely to go wrong, cramps make whatever work your character is doing much harder. Possible to go wrong? While on their period, your character goes swimming or maybe they just get wet and the blood leaks out of the pad and onto the clothes or even into the water. Also possible to go wrong, your character is still learning to use the menstrual cup and didn't place it correctly and things get messy. Unlikely to go wrong, nothing helps the pain of disabling cramps for your character. Maybe they try something that does not work or perhaps they have nothing to try. Also unlikely to go wrong, your character gets toxic shock syndrome and dies. Depending on when your character develops it and how early they get help, there is as little as a 30% chance of death. However, there is as high as a 70% chance also. Those are both days numbers. Historically, these chances would have been much greater. Improbable, but technically still within the realm of possibilities. Your character never gets a period. It is rare. But a few cases have been reported of women who never have a period. These women are also unable to have children. Improbable, but technically still in the realm of possibilities. Your character has naturally conceived in her 60s. I know, it sounds insane. However, it is believed that a Chinese woman by the name, and I'm sorry, I am probably going to mispronounce it, Jingja Twain, is the oldest woman to have naturally conceived and given birth at the age of 67. The Bible even has records of women conceiving at older ages. I know how exhausting it was to be pregnant in my 20s. Uh, no thank you for pregnancies at that age for me. Thanks for listening. To get this show's notes, or if you want to learn more, you can find helpful links at my website, Allyheart.com. That's A-L-L-E-Y-H-A-R-T dot com. Subscribe or follow for more episodes. A new episode comes out every Monday. Until then, happy wordsmithing. Music